welcome back. First of all, how are we at the end of October, y'all? Is it just me or has this year gone by so absurdly quickly? But also, what have I even done? Let's not pull that thread. But since we're talking about cold weather and my inability to concentrate on anything substantial, why don't y'all just drift away with us, all right? Perhaps internationally, because today we're talking about making moves, leaving our homes, and maybe moving to new countries. We've talked about the concept of home on this podcast before and even traveling, but now I want us to dig into what it means to legitimately, potentially, who knows, make a permanent move abroad. I am Chelsea Sanders, and I have my unbothered crew here today to untangle all the tings about being an expat. You know, what does that look like? It's become very much the moment, the mode, if you would say, because we're going to bring a lot of international words and vibes. But we want to talk about it and get into it and hopefully help you navigate it if that's something that you're thinking about. All right. So we got Maya, Kathleen, Anae here. We're going to take y'all on a conversation journey as we do. So let's just get on into it. All right. Unpopular opinion time. Before we jet off to another place, let's maybe talk about some cities that are played out or a city that's underrated that you love. Unpopular opinion time. Kathleen, start us off. You're not in the six, but tell us about it because you're traveling right now. I am. I am in New York City. I'm in Brooklyn right now. A city that, in my opinion, is not overrated. An underrated city that I love, though, is Detroit. I got engaged in Detroit, and when I tell people that, because I think Detroit is real romantic, I get some funny looks. I get like, oh, you got engaged in Detroit? And it's like, no, y'all don't know. If you haven't been to Detroit lately, take a trip. It's beautiful. A city that is fully overrated and played out, even though I spend a good three months of the year there now, is Los Angeles, L.A. I mean, I don't think it is what is portrayed in movies and in Hollywood. Like, it is just, it's not it. And a lot of the people in L.A., except for the Canadians in L.A., I'll say that, a lot of the other people, maybe not L.A. natives, but the people who move to L.A., you know, I'm uh, I'm going to just let you finish that sentence, anyone listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. And I'm an LA native, so obviously I'm exempt from this. But you all know right now I live between Los Angeles and New York and LA is 100% played out. It is a lot to do. I agree with people who are coming in and have this certain concept of what Los Angeles is. But LA is actually really geographically isolating right? And also mm -hmm. emotionally isolating. And when you come here, I think you have, again, a concept of what it is. And it's really not that on the day to day. Every so often you're going to the beach or going to a, a moment or having a moment, you know, at a mansion in Bel Air. But if you're not Will Smith in 1993, it doesn't necessarily <laughs> feel the same as you think it is. So yeah, I will co-sign that. That's very fair. All right, Maya, what about you? See, that's played out. Overrated. Come on. Hello. Being from Florida, I'm going to have to say Miami. And I'm Miami in the sense of South Beach is so played out to the point that people who are from Miami have just cut off the street to even get to South Beach. They're tired of it. You can't even drive directly on to South Beach anymore. You have to get out of your big oob and walk. You have to walk it. I'm just, I'm never going back to South Beach. If y'all have any other wrecks for Miami that are not South Beach, I'll go. But I'm I'm good with the watered down slushies. I'm good with the senior froggies. Okay, <laughs> I'm done. 
Put me where <laughs> see where, your frog. <laughs> hey, I put me where the the people with the money at. Like I'm I'm done with this because this walk in the streets. Oh goodness, ghetto. It's very like ghetto. spring break energy, right? Yeah, it's that, but it's spring break for fifty year olds. What are you doing out here, Mister Charles? <laughs> like, does your wife know you out here with this girl? Like, no, I feel like I Miami. Miami and Vegas have that same energy where it's like South Beach, right? Like you're going to be mm-hmm. there for three days and it's going to be a dope weekend. But like Sunday morning, you're like, get me the fuck out of here. Very true. Good good answer. Good answer. No whammies. Okay. And hey, keep it going. Played out city. Give it to us. This is going to be a really unpopular take. Hot take. It is the most overrated city in America is New York City. I'm so sorry. Oh, I currently wow. live in New oh. York City. I am a Brooklyn resident. I've been here for six years and I'm leaving next year. I've had enough. It is time to go. I've been here since 2016 and it's just, I feel like I'm at a place in my life where I'm so tired of seeing so many people and being involved in so many people's lives. Like the way that we are packed in like sardines. What's that TikTok? We're packed in it like a bunch of sardines. We kind of <laughs> escape. That's literally every single day. Yeah. And I'm tired. Like literally I'm seeing everybody have a mental breakdown on the A train. I'm seeing people getting pushed into like the the train what tracks and stuff like that. I'm I've had enough. And so I think it's good if you're a young person or if you're an older person with a lot of money. I happen to be neither of those things. And there's just a lot of pigeons here. And I have a pigeon phobia that is going strong um, <laughs> even at age 30. So I think it's, it's time to go. It's just it's making me stressed. So I feel like my nervous system is shot. So I think I've had enough. I won't be renewing my lease next year. I'm, I'm out of here for sure. I feel that. I've been here for like three to four years and like. That plus there's no progression in the people like, yeah, you'd be like, oh, wow, I've known you for five years and you the same bitch. That's crazy. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's a cultural thing. You don't grow up not never, huh? Like you don't change your mindset. All, a lot of I mean, listen, I have a lot of love for New York locals. I think that they're some of the funniest, most interesting people. But there is a culture of hustling and grinding that is ingrained into their DNA that does not necessarily allow for a certain like quality of life that I'm looking for. I think people yeah. here who have been here for a while are used to the rat race. They are used to pushing themselves beyond the limits of what's necessary. And you have to be a special kind of person to settle down in New York. And I am not God's strongest soldier in that regard. I'm a baby. I need to be in the South where people say, bless you and excuse me mm. and thank you. And people hold the door open for you. And, you know, I just, I'm, I'm that kind of person. So I will be leaving here. <laughs> Um, very soon. And it's been so great. I grew up a lot, but it's dirty over here. What? <laughs> no shade on tea. Sorry. If you're from New York, I love you so much. All and hips, no skips. The city, <laughs> the city belongs to you. I will be I just, for everyone listening, yeah. Maya was fully in church that entire <laughs> time of day was talking. Listen. She's at a, she's like, that was a Negro spiritual. Yeah. She, she, ain't, she ain't even lived here long enough. Right? She yeah. Like, yeah. You just, 
I think, an AMI when you're talking about sort of like, but why are you doing this? It's like this city, this energy doesn't appeal to you anymore. And I don't know if it's the city itself or the people that are drawn to it, right? But either way, it creates a certain culture that you no longer identify with. And I feel like that's something that I want to get into a little bit because, again, Mm -hmm. Anae, you said, you know, you've been here for a while in New York and you mentioned pigeons, not rats, interestingly, um, (laughs) pigeons and hustle culture. But like, when do you come to the conclusion that it's time to leave your city? You know what I mean? When it's time, like the chapter has closed, you are done. Is it pigeons? Is it weather? Is it cost? Like, what are those things that you think about when you're like, I'm ready to leave this place forever? Yeah. I mean, well, let me go turn the corner really quickly. Have you ever thought about where (laughs) pigeons sleep? Have you ever seen a pigeon at nighttime? When you really, I'm, I hate to be in my conspiracy bag about this, but living in New York, I've been thinking about it like, where do pigeons be at nighttime? And so I was like, maybe in they're the man-made. They're in a factory, dude. They're literally like, I'm so sorry, but like living in New York, I've been thinking about this for years and I'm like, I don't be seeing them at nighttime. And of course, like they, they don't be in trees though. They do not be sure? in the trees. How I'm so know? sorry. <laughs> I'm, I hate oh, yeah. to say it, I have a pigeon radar. I can sense them and I don't be sensing them at nighttime. So that is one thing. It's like, I'm so sick of having to think about that. And it literally consumes me. I'm the person who will, I would rather get hit by a car than have a pigeon even come by me. And that is just something that is so like ridiculous. And it, it is a factor in me leaving. I'm not comfortable walking the streets. So that's an aside. Sorry. No, no, and no. It's like really not. Nice. Anyone listening, if you can just, you know, like hit us up on Unbothered and let us know, like, <laughs> if you figure out like where pigeons are at night, just do a quick, do your quick Googles and let us know because I've never thought about it. You're right. I, I mean, I think we all are like, what, what are baby pigeons? We've never seen those, but I've never Don't thought even about Google like it. Don't even pigeons Google. after dark. It is nightmare fuel. I've done it before. I <laughs> so that's, pigeons that's after whatever. dark. Jordan Peele's new film got done. <laughs> I put in where are pigeons and at night just came up. So people want to know. I'm telling oh, you. What is what the does it say? All right. It says uh, pigeons look for shelter. Yo, you know what it doesn't say? Oh, they find this on roofs of homes and other buildings. Oh, girl, so be a on pigeon the roof, wrote that. Sleeping. A pigeon wrote that. <laughs> Wikipedia, whatever. Anyway, so anyway, girl. bigger, What's bigger. Anybody pigeons are like anything. <laughs> yeah, we just gonna we gonna trick them. Anyway, <laughs> back to what it is. Besides the pigeons, though, I um. So I was talking to my mom about money and the cost of living, and I was literally having this conversation. I got an email from my apartment building. And they were sending out a rent reminder a week before rent was due. And it's like a normal thing. They do this a lot, but something about it really pissed me off. And I thought, I know how much the rent is. I know when it's due. Why are you coming to like attack me about this? And I just started to think about it. And I looked at my paycheck and I saw how much the city was taken from my paycheck, all of this stuff. And I thought it costs so much to live here. And I'm not even having fun. I always tell people the best time to live in New York and be in New York is the summertime. But summer 2022 was kind of whack. I didn't really have the fun that I thought that I was going to have. And so I, you know, I was just chilling and I thought like, oh, I'm not having fun. I don't think I want to be here anymore. And that's the first time that I ever said that to myself. I said it out loud and I was like, oh, yeah, I don't want to live here. My man isn't here. My family isn't here. My nieces live in Houston and they're growing up and I'm missing so many things. The other day I was FaceTiming my sister and my niece was like talking full sentences 
When did you learn how to do that? Mm. I missed it because I'm just having a FaceTime relationship with them. And I was just like, yeah, I don't I don't want to do that. And I remember a time where I was desperate to stay in New York after I graduated from NYU um, 2016. And I was just like, my life is here. My friends are here. And now I'm like, you know what? If I live somewhere else and I had money, I could visit my friends when I wanted to, right? It's cheaper for me to book a flight and fly and stay somewhere for a week than it is for me to pay rent here every single month, for me to pay for the MTA, for me to pay for groceries. Let me be real. I don't really be riding the train. For me to pay for Ubers and stuff (laughs) like that, it is cheaper for me to come from out of town and do that. So I've just been thinking about my quality of life. And I was like, I don't think that the New York quality of life is my destiny. I feel like Mm. I am destined for more than this. I think that there are some people who like the, like the grittiness and the concrete jungle aura of the city. And that's great, but I have, I've done my time. And so I think it's fair for me to kind of close this chapter and move on to something a little bit easier, a little bit more relaxed. I think that's very fair. And I think, I mean, it's interesting that you say you've done your time, right? In New York, (laughs) even just the way that you phrase that. But I hear you just on like, okay, this is not my destiny. Because like I said, when I moved here when I was 22, and then I'd been in here. I'm not here. I'm in LA. I moved there when I was 22. And I'd been in New York for a decade. And when I was 32, the pandemic hit. And I was so stalwart in thinking that I didn't want to leave New York living in a tiny apartment for almost six months during the pandemic, not really leaving it, and then realizing like, okay, this is not working for me, was a really hard decision to come to and a realization to come at because it felt like I had failed. If I leave New York, then it feels like I failed. And I've always thought that I would leave America at some point. To me, that has always felt like my destiny. I just got back from Paris last week and you guys are lucky that I'm even here right now, to be honest, because (laughs) my destiny is literally being across a jazz bar in Paris in like Montmartre and like just singing on a bar. And like, if someone comes up to me and they're like, are you Chelsea? I'm like, uh, qu'est-ce que c'est? Je ne sais pas. Like, I I don't know who you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. I think kids, this is a reminder. If you're moving from home, maybe New York's not the first stop for you. Maybe we try... (laughs) A popular city close to home first. But me, being stubborn as I am, I hopped here first, of course. Um, And it was really tough for me here. It matched, aligned who I was at the time. I was really hard. I was really gruff. I was really rough at the time. And I was very much, I want to conquer all of the things. And that aligned with New York at the time. If you ask me how my younger years were, they weren't that bad. My older years, not that old, 27. I'm like, uh, unnecessary traumas, unnecessary difficulty here. I just, why do I have to do all this to get a package? Why do I have to do all this to get groceries, go to the store when I was just in Florida and I could, I'm Uber myself everywhere. I'm outside with it. You know, it's just, you want an easier life. And it's like Tanae's point. If you want that easier life, you got to have the big bag, especially to live in a big city. Oh, yeah, you absolutely do. But my, you just got back from Bali also, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to so, say. I was like, that, yeah, that was my vacation point. I had to go. I had to just whoop, hop on a little plane to take myself on a vacation. And once I'm financially 110%, you know, stable or where I want to be, I'm out of here. I am completely out of America. Bye-bye. Riva Dirty. See you never again. Mama, I'll send you a postcard. Because, you know, 
I, I don't even know if this country is all the way for me. So I got to explore the world. My biggest fear, honestly, though, with the traveling is the language barrier. Mm. I don't want to put myself in situations where I'm not understanding what's going on because there's a miscommunication between me and another person. I feel like that's kind of unsafe for me. And when I recently traveled to Bali, thankfully, they did speak a lot of English over there. So it wasn't that bad. The only thing is just knowing the cultures over there and what you need Mm. to have when you get over there. So for me to get over there, I had to go through Vietnam. You need a visa. Don't let the internet tell you you don't. You need a visa. If you don't, they will deport you back to where you came from and it's going to be up for you and you will not get no money back. So, you know, that scares me. But once I got over there, the most peaceful place, time wasn't a thing. If it rained, it was, I call them pretty rains. It was so peaceful. Got massages every day. The food was inexpensive. Like I just had a great time. I didn't have to think about anything. And that's, that's what moving forward. That's what I want. I want to move to a place where thinking about life does not cause me a brain aneurysm. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's certainly not America, at least not America right now. Right. Yeah. And okay, Kathleen, as someone who is not American, our resident a Canadian. Have you he ever hasn't thought said it yet? About... You gotta let her say it. Oh, oh yeah, I'm Canadian. Go ahead. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. Canadian. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you have you not American um, peasants. <laughs> yeah, truly. If you have not been tuned into the last forty episodes, um, newsflash: Kathleen is Canadian. But um, have you ever thought about leaving Canada? Yeah, all the time. It's so interesting because. You know, as we're talking about travel, we're talking about moving. So much of what Maya and Ane are saying has nothing to do with work. And it's the opposite. It's about ease. And I think the time I've spent so far in my life thinking about moving, it has been work-related. It's been, especially in the media industry in Canada and in Toronto specifically, it's full of people who have outgrown the city and are kind of bigger than what the city and that industry has to offer. So for a really long time, and this mentality has shifted, but for a really long time, the goal is if you are a Canadian in a certain industry, especially the entertainment industry or the media industry, your goal is to move to America because that's where the jobs are. That's where the work is. And that's where the quote unquote dream is. And so, especially if you're you're black, because those industries are even more white, in Canada. And so I always dreamed of moving to New York. That was always my dream. And then I did an internship there and it kind of broke me. I was only there for six months, but it kind of broke me in the ways that Anae said, like, I love hustling. I'm a Capricorn. I like will work myself to death. But there it was like super cutthroat and hustling in ways that I didn't feel comfortable with. And I was just like, maybe this isn't for me in this way. And now I think that idea of the American dream of I'm going to move to America for this big job or whatever, I do think that has shifted in the past few years. And it is not, hey, I'm going to move to America for this great life, especially if you're a Black person anymore. But I think that everyone, you know, jokes about moving to Canada for those same things to be like, oh, America's racist. I'm going to move to Canada. The racist bullshit still exists in Toronto and in Canada. And I just feel like it's tough, honestly. I, and I've never thought about moving overseas in the same way that I've thought of America and Canada or various places within North America to move to. And I think that is what 
the shift is now. We are trying to leave these places that have burnt us out. I think we're just all burnt out from cities. And Mm. yeah, I don't know. I like, I spend four months of the year in LA now, but I still say that I'll never move there. And I think that Toronto will probably be my home base forever. But with cost of living in cities, especially North American cities, I think we're all thinking about what does our lives look like if we have to leave our homes and try a different way of life, like that kind of soft baby girl life where someone opens doors, like Anae was talking about, like, what does that really look like? And can we still do all the things that we want to and do that? I feel like that is like the collective thought right now. Yes, uh, because when I tell you, I paid for maybe one meal in Paris, all right? Like literally, the number of people who are like, yes, no, I got it, I got it. I got it. Literally, I was like, wow. This is amazing. I would literally never pay for anything here. And obviously, you know, we're talking about specific vacations, right, which are very different than living in a city, right, and deciding to pay taxes there, right, deciding to live there on a daily basis, like all of those things. Do they have taxes anywhere else? No. Yes, of course they do. Yeah, but they're not crazy. Uh, never mind. Redact that question. But I think it's also thinking about, to your point, like, what does it look like to live somewhere, not just to travel there? What would it look like to live in Bali or France, you know, or Mexico? Like, what is and what does that look like for us as Black women, right, Kathleen? Because you mentioned, like, in Canada or abroad, like, there's still racism. There is. And for Black women to travel or to live abroad, it looks very different. Even if you have a family or you're solo, those are considerations that I think we have to think about in a different way. And I think those are the things that when I'm thinking about like, okay, like what would it look like five years from now to not live in America? Like we have to be thinking about those specific situations of language barriers or someone trying to touch your hair. You know what I mean? Even those like small things to big things. Like what does that look like for us to live abroad as Black women? Yeah, I mean, this is a topic we've been talking about a lot, and there's a piece coming written by a freelancer about this exact thing. She moved to Europe and talked to other Black women who moved to Europe, and so many of them had these really positive experiences. But you know we have a UK edition. We have an incredible UK editor. Her name is L'Oreal, and she's like, when she hears, oh, Black women moved to Europe and everything's so much better, she's like, I'm sorry, where? (laughs) What? Mm. Mm. And so it's so interesting, but... To me, I think it's a bit of a grass is greener situation. And I think when you're raised in an environment where there's hustle or oppression, you don't choose yourself, especially as black women, right? Even if that city that they're moving to or that country that they're moving to still has racism or oppression or misogynal war, like all these places still have, I think it's a different mindset. I think that you are choosing joy. And I think that's why so many people who move out of America end up finding that. You know, you hear of the stories of James Baldwin or Nina Simone going to Paris and having that incredible experience versus in America, Josephine Baker did the same thing. But that to me speaks to the mindset. And even if you know the place you're going to isn't going to be perfect, you are deciding, uprooting your life comes with a complete mentality shift. You probably Mm. walk different. You think different when you move to a different place. And I think that's where that's coming from. Instead of being like, hey, move out of America and your life is going to be perfect. It's like the move comes with a mindset. Ooh, 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think, again, it's like if you've moved already mentally in your head, right, (laughs) you've made those moves and then you want your physical environment to reflect that mental move that you've already made. And I feel like that's a very fair request. I also think because I'm always going to overthink something, it comes with a lot of privilege, right? To be able to do that, to be able to mm-hmm. pick up and move, right? As someone who has an American passport, right? Or someone who has a Canadian passport, we are afforded a lot of opportunities that many people in other countries are not. The privilege to be able to decide to choose yourself even, right? That to me is a very big privilege. And it's a responsibility that when I think about moving abroad, I'm like, okay, So if I move abroad, how do I make sure I'm not just being a stupid American? You know what I mean? And just running around and acting crazy and being exactly the stereotype of what you think an American abroad is. And I think about that a lot because I understand the privilege that comes with being an American. Obviously, there's varying differences right now when it comes to being a woman, when it comes to being black. But we do have to recognize that we have a lot of privilege being able to even have this conversation right now and think about, yeah, I'm just going to pick up and move. And so I want to talk a little bit about that privilege and that responsibility that we owe to these countries if we do decide to leave. And what does it look like when we do move to these different countries? What responsibilities do we have to the communities that we move to and the people that are sustaining us? How do we reconcile that with the fact that Their country is very different and they move differently and they have different expectations and they may not necessarily want us there. What does that look like and how do we make sure we're still being responsible when it comes to traveling and potentially being an expatriate in those countries? This discourse is like something that's very common and it's like very passion, impassioned, like within the Black and African diaspora, but specifically as it pertains to Black people all over the world going back to Africa in a certain way. Mm. So for me, I've definitely had thoughts about it. I was born in Nigeria and then I moved to the UK and then I've been in Texas and New York, I guess now ever since then. And at some point I was like, oh, I do think I would want to go back to Africa. I do think that there is a point in my life where I would want to settle down there. But then I started thinking about like, "Mm, why am I doing that? Why am I doing that? What is the thing that is making me specifically be like, oh yes, I have what it takes to go back home. And even when I say go back home, it's not Nigeria. Like I don't want to go live in Nigeria. Like it's, have you heard the news? Like, no, we're good. But I was like, you know, I could go to Senegal. I could definitely live in Senegal. I could definitely live in maybe a part of Rwanda. I could go to, you know, I could eat some questionable jollof like that. I could go to Ghana. (laughs) Wow. It's nothing, right? The Rice is only one part of the culture there. Like it's very similar. I've been having those thoughts, but then on the other side of it, I'm like, what is separating me from like other expats who want to go and be in these communities. And so I see how the culture of going back to Africa during this December, it's called Dirty December. Um, You go from like maybe mid-December to mid-January and it's just a time of celebration. People are partying, people are going to the club until 6 a.m. People are going to music concerts and weddings and all of this stuff. And it's so fun and it looks amazing, right? And people are so excited and plan for this literally months or even years in advance. But then when the party's over, they just go back home, right? Mm. The reality is that there's a lot of stuff going on in these countries and in these communities that people from the outside have no idea about. Even if you're 
kind of connected to African Twitter, even if you know some African TikTokers or whatever, you will never know the reality unless you are there and you're on the ground, right? You're going for the party and you love the Nigerian weddings and you love the Ashway B, which is like the lace and everyone having the same material and going to weddings and head ties and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But when it comes to NSARS, when it comes to the election, when it comes to police brutality, you don't have anything to say because you're not tapped into that community. And so it's really difficult because I don't want to be a party pooper and be like, you can't go back to Nigeria. You can't move there if you whatever, specifically for people who are like black American people. If you want to go to Africa, absolutely, you should go. I always encourage people, if you know where your ancestors came from, definitely go back. Even if you don't know, definitely go back. Africa is for you. That is your right to go. However, we need to be very serious about the intention of kind of packing up your things and going back and planning yourself and plopping yourself into these spaces when you don't know anything about the community. You don't know what's going on on the ground. So you have a home there. It is your home. It is your right. Slavery and colonialism took that from you. So you have a right to be in Africa and to experience African culture, but you can't really claim it as home without being intentional about it. If you want to be an expat in Africa, you have to be so intentional. You have to educate yourself. You have to research. You have to build community so that you're not just another tourist who's coming into the space and trying to claim it for yourself. You have to really tap in. And I think that that is the missing thing that a lot of people are facing. And a lot of people who are locals and natives in these countries are like, oh, here they go again, because there's no intention Mm. there. Nay, I think that's such an important point. And that intention you're talking about also comes with research. And it's about knowing the politics and the government. I know that's not sexy. I know that's not the party you want when you're going back to Ghana for the year of the return. But I think it's important to know. And a lot of that push for tourism in certain African countries was government driven. And I know like my family who lives there were like rolling their eyes at people who are just going to come do their thing, leave and aren't really about it aren't really about the community, as Ana said. But when you think about that push being government-driven, and the government specifically in Ghana is very anti-LGBTQ plus right now, a bill was recently put to parliament calling for super oppressive legislation. And if it's passed, it could make identifying as gay or even an ally as a second-degree felony. Five years in prison. That's ridiculous when you think of that. And so when you think of that as just like, I'm going to go party in this country, I'm going to go back there because this is going to serve me and be like my own journey. I think that you got to think about your morals and your ethics. And if they don't align with what's going on in the government of that country, you really have to think about why you're going to that place. And do you want to go to a place where certain people can't live like you can? or where you're not helping the activists who are on the ground. It's about being mindful and intentional about why you're going, what you're going for, and who is going to benefit and who is not going to benefit by you traveling there. But if you want to go to Africa and do that, you're going to have to think again. If you want to go to somewhere in Asia, you don't have to think again. You want to go somewhere in South America, the Caribbean, you're going to have to think again. I can only condone it for colonizers, but if you're going to a place where black and brown people live and you're trying to finesse the people there, you are a crook. And I'm going to say that with my chest. It is criminal (laughs) behavior. You need to reconsider and you need to do things through the right channel. Yes. All right, y'all. So 
we went on a real journey. And I feel like that was very informative and really a thoughtful discussion about what it means to live abroad, y'all. So just think about that and consider that, but also live your best life. And if you're posting about it on IG, like, fine. Okay. But just like, don't use some corny captions. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. And now we have reached my favorite part of the discussion. Oh, yes, my dears, it is the Don't At Me. And in case y'all forgot or need a reminder, the Don't At Me is the part of the discussion we use to tie a bow on our conversation, give y'all some food for thought, and just some energy to move about your international day with. And in case the title wasn't clear, you can't add us, okay? Nothing. Nunca. Non. Nine. No, heart emoji, and especially relevant, don't at me, international style. And for this one, we're going to hand it over to Big Boss Maya. Come on, give us that don't at me. What's up, y'all? We've already hit on so many topics, but the biggest one I know we keep touching on is doing your research. I'm not talking about of the country. Do some research on yourself. Because as we spoke about earlier, the place that you land is really determined by who you are. If you know you want to be a rock'em sock'em robot, maybe New York is for you. But if you want to be a pretty, pretty princess, pick somewhere cute. I heard Houston got their doors open a little bit. Shout out to an AA. You know what I'm saying? Do some research on yourself. If your mental health is a big time for you, once again, LA, New York, probably not for you. Maybe you need to go some secluded place in Florida where the water's blue and the drinks are spicy, you know? Make sure the place that you land is for you. If that place is outside of your nation's borders, do big time research and visit the place. I reiterate, visit the place. Because I don't know how many times I hear people say, well, I'm going to move to fill in the blank. They get there and they hated it. Now they live there. You're stuck, baby. You can't come back. No backseas. So do some research, experiment, and that takes part in stepping outside of the box. And so if you a girly who's a little shooken up and shaken, don't go nowhere. Stay home. Maybe try rearranging what your life looks like where you are and actually change the places that you go in your city where you live. Because travel doesn't have to be international. It doesn't have to be from state to state. It could be traveling outside of your county. Maybe the guys in Duval ain't for you. <laughs> Try Orange County. You know, try somewhere else. Try Clay County. Maybe they're for you. So traveling doesn't have to be far and wide. It can be in your backyard. But most importantly, tap in with yourself and tap in with the world because it's big, wide, and out there for you. I'm out. And don't at me. Welcome back to season five of the Go Off Sis podcast brought to you by Target, our partner this summer as we celebrate Black Joy. This season, we've been reminding you what it means to be that girl. And you know we're not about to stop now. So whether you're in class, the boardroom, or working remotely beachside, I see you, friend. Target has everything you'll need for a summer full of black joy. To learn more about how Target is investing in our community, head over to Target.com slash Black Beyond Measure. All right, so Chelsea had to step. So it's your girl Kathleen with Anae and Maya for this interview. And we thought we would bring in someone very special who knows all about travel, entrepreneurship, and international real estate. She went from working a nine-to-five in a tech company to turning her passion for travel into an eight-figure business. Eight-figure business. Okay, cha-ching. 
We're so proud of her. She is the founder and CEO of Lux Tribes, a travel service and community which provides authentic, stress-free, bucket list experiences to travelers. And she's also the CEO of Ready Hub, a software solutions company and marketplace designed for independent beauty professionals to market their services and manage their appointments. Okay, we love a schedule. She has lived all over the world, US, Nigeria, South Africa, England, Thailand, Bali, Peru, Dubai, and like myself, she was born in Canada, Canadian stand up. She has also traveled the world while building businesses with no borders. Please welcome travel influencer, the boss, Chitty Ashley. Oh, thank you guys so much. That was a fantastic introduction. (laughs) Hello, hello. You know, we got to roll out the red carpet a bit here at Go Off Sis. So you're an entrepreneur, you're an influencer, as I mentioned, you have this strong, strong following on YouTube, Instagram and beyond. And you really led us into your life and your travels. So we want the listeners to know all about who Chitty Ashley is. So tell us more about you and your business. Yeah, of course. First of all, I mean, I'm super excited to be here. And me, I traveler at heart and really everything, my journey started from travel. And so that's really how I've been able to grow my businesses and now transition into the tech space, but really started from solo traveling and really just kind of wanting to get out there, see the world and do it on my own terms. And so that's what I did. I packed up my things. I was originally working in New York. I was working at a tech startup and I decided, I watched a YouTube video actually. I watched a video about Bali and I was like, oh my God, I I could see myself living there. So I packed up my stuff in two weeks and didn't tell anyone I was moving. And I literally moved to Bali and started my business. And the journey has been so crazy from there. So I was in Bali. I lived there for a few months. I hopped around Thailand, Cambodia, Peru while building my business. And then I decided to kind of make Bali a little bit of a base. So I built a house there, which was completed last year. And then I was like, okay, well, you know, what's the next step for me? And so I actually live in Dubai now. And I moved to Dubai in January this year after building the house. And so I'm here now really focusing on work, focusing on really creating systems in my business a little bit more, working on ReadyHub, which is a whole other beast when you're in the tech space, a bigger network that you need. And so that's something that I'm working on right now. So yeah, going from traveling, working on Lux Tribes and now working with ReadyHub. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. You you sound booked and busy, but It takes a lot, I think, for somebody to just up and move and to move to all the different countries that you have. So, you know, today on the show, we're talking about Black expats and the Mm -hmm. rise of Black people moving abroad, especially during COVID. And we're digging into some of the reasons why someone might want to move to another country and what it's Mm -hmm. like, especially as Black women while we're traveling. So let's talk about your journey. You were traveling as a hobby, as you said, you've turned it now into a career. So, but let's go back to the first moment where you were like, all right, I got to go. Sis, I got to pack up and I got to leave. So talk about that, that first moment where you're like, I got to get out of here and move abroad. Yeah, I mean, I think coming into the U.S., I came in as an international student and I remember coming in at a time where there was a lot of protests. Black Lives Matter movement was really on the rise and there was a lot going on. And so I personally, growing up 
as an African in Africa, those were not necessarily the conversations that we were having, right? We kind of have our own separate issues that we're dealing with over there, right? And so I was- You're a Nigerian, right? You're in Nigeria. Yes, I'm Nigerian. I grew up in South Africa. I finished my last Mm. few years of high school in Nigeria. So we weren't necessarily dealing with those topics. Um, And so coming into New York and really that was like so much that I had to kind of immerse myself in and and have to start having those conversations. And it was a lot, you know, it was really a lot. And so going through college and I just started feeling like, damn, we're having these same conversations over and over again, year after year, whether it's school shootings, whether it's, you know, injustices with the police. And I kind of felt like this was like a never ending cycle. So I remember at some point I was just like, you know what, like I can't do it. And then it was the Trump thing as well. So I really got to a point where I was like, I can't take this on anymore. I, it's, I just started feeling this burden on myself. And just the weight. And I was just like, this is not for me, you know? Uh, So that was one of the things that kind of made me realize maybe America is not the space that I wanted to be in. I loved the people. I loved the food. I loved everything else. But I just felt a weight of the everything going on in politics and so on, just weighing down on me. So that was one thing. Um, And so at that point, when I really started exploring travel and getting out of the country, listen, I used to spring break, I would be in Peru, I would be in Thailand, I would be out the country, I took any opportunity I could to just get out there. And also, I just had a little bit of a fear of what lies ahead after college, you know, like the dreaded nine to five and working till you retire. So I was like, let me travel as much as I can before that life comes for me. And, you know, I graduated, started working and I just didn't feel, I wasn't feeling that lust, you know, I wasn't feeling that excitement in my day to day. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's time to go. I can't do this anymore. So I remember the first few months that I was in Bali right after I moved, I did not watch any news. I tuned out completely. I just wanted a clear space, a clear mind to just live life and be free and be me. And a lot of people ask, what is it like being a Black woman in Bali and traveling? And do you feel uncomfortable? I was like, listen, I felt more myself in those few months than I did all of through when I was in New York. I just felt free. I felt I could like I could be myself and own my own story and create my own world. And it was amazing. So really just a a combination of things, just being ready to kind of not have to deal with the burden of American society in that sense. So, well, I just want to unpack that like freedom that you Mm. felt in Bali. And I think that people might ask that question because it's not Mm -hmm. a predominantly black space, right? So how Mm -hmm. did you find that freedom? And was it more about you deciding to choose, you know, this is going to be my time. This is me time now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a combination of things because I think we have this idea that the world outside of our bubbles is so scary and you come to find out it's really not. There's people out there that are so just beautiful and they want to kind of befriend you. They want to, people I find are are genuinely very good, you know? And so I never felt, I never had people looking at me in a certain way. And maybe also that's part of me just in being myself and having my own confidence to say, like, even if they're looking, it's not going to phase me. Right. So half of that is me just saying, like, I'm here 
for my peace and I'm going to have peace and I'm going to create my bubble here. But I've also found that people as I traveled were so good to me and I made so many friends and a lot of local friends that I made. So we kind of have to also step away from the preconceived notions that we have of different places, especially when you have a lot of people that tell you like, oh, I had this bad experience here. And I'm like, listen, I'm going to find out for myself. I don't want to know what anyone else says. I want to see for myself what it's like, because I've genuinely found most of the places I've been to to be very welcoming. Um, and, and that was the same for Bali. So when you were moving around, you were talking about how, you know, when you came from Africa, you were in South Africa, when you came from Nigeria, you came to the States. So there was a kind of a cultural shift in the sense of like the conversations that were going on. Just the space was a totally mm -hmm. different space. Once you started traveling as an adult, were there other things that you learned like when you were in Bali, like now that you're in Dubai, that you're like, oh, this is very different. And you have to kind of like put aside your Nigerian-ness and your Canadian-ness, if that's a word, sorry to Canada, <laughs> shout out to Canada. Um, but put, put those things aside so that you can kind of assimilate or you can kind of get accustomed to the culture because I'm sure that it's very different in a lot of ways. There's similarities but I'm sure that Bali is not obviously not Nigeria. Dubai mm -hmm. is obviously not the States. Yeah, I mean, I think you'll come to find out that regardless of, you know, whether you're African, Black American, where you know, whatever Black you are, people just see you as Black, right? Yeah. And so people will naturally have whatever they have in their minds about you and how you behave or what their stereotypes or expectations are. And so I've kind of just operated in the sense of I'm just going to focus on me. And mm. if I'm in Dubai, if I'm in Bali, I'm going to carry myself with a confidence that I don't care if they're staring. I don't care if they're looking. I'm here to have a good time. I'm here to get what I need from this space while also being respectful in that space. But I'm not going to be boggled down with whatever societal stuff may not necessarily be welcoming to me. Like, I'm just going to create my own happiness in this space that I'm in, you know, because Dubai, I would say, is very different. Now that I live in Dubai, I find it's very different from when I lived in Bali, just in mm. terms of their openness or just acceptance in the sense of Africans or Black people. It's it's different. It's, it's not that it's worse but it is different. You know, I feel I have to carry myself in a certain way. I posted a tweet about it and I was like, in Bali, I had my shorts, I had my sandals and I was good, but I feel a bigger sense of responsibility to kind of look apart, you know, yeah. when I'm in Dubai and just hold myself in a certain part. Otherwise, I kind of feel like people might judge me a different way. So different places, I tweak myself a little bit, but for the most part, I try to stay true to who I am. Yeah. On the opposite end of that, contrastingly, like obviously as a black person, there's this kind of a deficit in the sense that you have to work harder to be seen as worthy, as human, as like fitting in. But also at the same time, you are a person with a level of privilege in the sense that you are able to travel to different countries and settle and make a life for you. Because we, we were talking earlier about like ethical traveling and ethical like expatriatism or whatever. How do you as a person who has that privilege navigate this like global lifestyle and settling into places where you might be in some places the most privileged person in the room? Right. Yeah. I mean, that is a big conversation now. 
you know, and even in building a house in Bali, you have to think about these things, right? Where you're kind of the expat coming in and your dollars might be worth more, right? Um, And you're taking on that position of privilege, right? So those are things that you absolutely have to think about. So I I see this, it's two-sided, right? There's the one side where it's up to the individual and then it's the other side where it's up to the government. So me as an individual, for example, when I go into spaces, if I go to Bali, Thailand, I really immerse myself in the local culture, right? I want to get to know the locals. I want to make friends. I want to learn the language and just kind of feel as much as I can as part of that society rather than feeling like an outsider. So that's something that's important to me. So I've really built like a family in in Bali. In Thailand, I lived on an elephant sanctuary for a while and I really kind of felt like I was part of that society in that sense. That's why also I like to take my time in the places yeah. that I go to, right? And I like to create a base for myself. And then the other thing is being mindful of the local community. So for me, I try to one, give back as much as I can. Even with like, for example, when I built my house in Bali, every vendor that we used down to our contractor, the furniture, it was all locally sourced and really working with the locals. We had to get permission from the local community before even building the house, right? You know, knowing who your neighbors are and making sure that your neighbors are aware of your plans, right? And that the community is accepting of that. That was a big thing. So we had to do that. We had to sit down in Bali. They have like a banjar, the local banjar, who is kind of like the head of the community, right? In that area. So we had to sit down with them and make sure that we show them, this is our plan. This is my plan to build a house. This is what the house will look like. This is my plan to also give back. So every month I'm paying fees to the local community that go towards security for the area and just improvement of the area things like that. So not just kind of setting yourself up and being oblivious to what's going on around you, but also just trying to be a little bit more aware. And then as an individual, sometimes I feel like we feel the need to take on so much of a burden. Sometimes you you can't as well, right? And there's, there's things that you can do, right? When you're coming into a new country, but for the most part, you're also just an individual. You're coming in to also find your peace and your space. And then there's things that the government does. So one thing I really like, for example, with Bali is that while you can as a foreigner buy land and your dollars might stretch further, you don't necessarily have full ownership of that land, right? So you can lease the land from the local community for X number of years. But They've created a system where the locals are still the ones with that ownership, right? Um, Because imagine a a world or a, a Bali where foreigners come in and buy up everything. And now Bali has kind of turned into like a second Western society, right? So the government does also have its role to play in creating measures where expats can't take advantage, especially expats that might be coming from the Western world. Mm. Dang, you shut it down. And we listen very thorough. <laughs> she should. Very. She's like, yeah, they're not gonna let. Yeah. They're not letting anybody come in and take anything from them. That you won't break their soul. Okay, I really <laughs> like that. Okay, it's not going down. So, how do you even start that process of like moving abroad? I know you said you packed up your stuff in two weeks, mm-hmm. and you just you moved out there without telling anybody. What's the mental process behind it? And obviously, there's a physical process behind it connected mm-hmm. to the fact that you have to speak to the locals and 
all the things that you had to do once you got there. Mm -hmm. Before moving, there are definitely things that you have to do. So the first thing I did, I renegotiated my contract at the time with my job. Um, and I feel like that's mm -hmm. much easier for people nowadays and remote work is thriving. Back then, remote work wasn't as hot as it is now, right? Um, so people who are looking to move abroad have that advantage of saying, hey, I did it for two years during COVID. I'm very capable of working remotely and being accountable whether I'm here or I'm overseas, right? So we can have those conversations openly with our bosses. Um, and that's what I did. I was so nervous and I was so scared to kind of tell my boss like, hey, listen, I want to move to Bali. And I remember I was like crying before because I was scared. I don't know what she was going to think, but I was, I had it in my mind, like with or without this job, I'm going, right? So I sat down with my manager at the time and I was like, hey, listen, I want to move to Bali. I have been studious. I've been doing what I need to do and I'm going to continue to do that. But I do plan to move to Bali. This is my plan. This is the time that I'm going to be available. By the time you guys wake up, my work will be done because I will be ahead. I will make all the meetings. And she ended the conversation with, look, okay, let's go for it. Let's do it. And I was like, closed mouth, don't get fed. You know, you kind of have to <laughs> go for what you want. And I was so surprised when she was like, okay, that's fine. So, you know, I renegotiated that contract. I had the go ahead to work remotely. So once I got the work aspects set up where I knew I would have recurring income, right? Mm -hmm. um, the next part was obviously my apartment. I didn't know how long I was going to be away for. So I was like, okay, let me sublet my apartment first, right? Before just giving my apartment up. So that's what I did just so I had a little piece of home just in case things didn't go well, then I could always come back. So that was the next step that I took. Sublet my apartment, make sure that I had someone that was still taking over my rent. And then I packed up, put my stuff in storage, and I was off uh, to Bali. So I didn't build a house immediately. That came much later. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did find a place to stay in Bali where I kind of had research and saw it would be comfortable. Another really cool thing that I did is I joined Facebook groups. And most countries have... Facebook groups for expats who are coming into that country for the first time. And I really love Facebook groups. When I stayed in Thailand, when I was in Peru, when I came to Bali, I always joined expat Facebook groups. And you get a lot of the same questions like, hey, what is the best insurance? So where can I find mm. this? And what are the best areas to live in? And so I really just combed through the Facebook groups to get a good sense of like where to live, safety, tips. And I asked a lot of questions as well. So I started to feel a lot more comfortable about that space. And it was nice to see. I mean, I think the Bali Facebook group has like well over 60,000 people in the oh Facebook group. So you, wow. you start to feel a, a really nice comfort that there's people who are there that have done something similar to what you're trying to do. Dang. Wow. Facebook is having a comeback. Dang. Listen. Um, that, <laughs> Facebook is helping Black people get okay. out of these big mm. countries. I'm here for it. <laughs> so what is the most memorable moment as a Black woman um, in a foreign country? Living in Peru. That was interesting. It was different. Especially, I was in Cusco for a long time. That's like where people go before they go to like Machu Picchu. Mm -hmm. And I was such a fish out of water. <laughs> It was a little bit hard to breathe at first because you're literally up in the mountains. There's elevation. I was really and I would I remember I would call my parents 
and I would be like, hey, like, look at me, I'm doing this. And they would always be like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> they were always concerned. But just kind of being in different spaces and feeling so out of my comfort zone, but feeling like empowered. And I would say that honestly, everything I have now is because I took that time to do all mm-hmm. those things that I did and just be by myself. And I felt so free. I felt comfortable. I was finding out what who I am and what I like, you know, what foods I like, what type of people I like to be around. So I really developed a really good sense of self. It's, it's not a crazy thing, but it's a thing that has really kind of grounded me and shaped me into who I am right now, you know? <laughs> where was Where would you never go back to? Please don't say somewhere I want to go. Please, please. I think mm, Egypt. Oh my God! Everybody says that. Everybody says that. I have heard that before too. Mm -hmm. I (laughs) I don't like to say this, but it's not somewhere I'm rushing to anytime soon. I found it to be quite overwhelming. I didn't feel comfortable. Wow. And. Not as a black woman, just safety wise. I wasn't, I was in Cairo. I just didn't feel comfortable. And when they say five star in Egypt, you got to be careful because even the five star hotels, I was like, this is not five star. I remember the second time I've been to Egypt twice now. I, the second time I went to Egypt, I had booked this really amazing Airbnb that had a pyramid view. And it was like, there was a bathtub overlooking the pyramids. And I was like, I'm going to take so many pictures. It's going to be amazing. And I had seen so many influencers in this Airbnb. So I booked it and I went over to Egypt and I remember being in the car and the driver didn't want to stop. And he was like, uh, he kept asking me like, are you, this is, are you getting off here? Are you getting off here? And I was like, yeah, like that's my Airbnb. And he's like, okay, I'm going to come inside with you because I want to make sure that everything's okay. Because he was like, "Mm, this is not a good area. Mm. So I'm thinking, and mind you, I'm by myself, right? I'm traveling solo. First mistake, you don't book things based on social media, especially as a woman traveling solo, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So I went ahead, we walked inside. This building, first of all, was it looked dilapidated. It wasn't completed. It was literally like walking through a construction site. And we get up to the to the Airbnb. It had like six bolts on the door. And I was like, what is Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? The building was like literally, it looked like a horror movie. I was so scared. I was like, I can't stay here. Even the driver was like, I'm not letting you stay here. Um, wow. so that was my shout out to that Instagram. driver. <laughs> exactly. I know, right? Seems like a good person. They got a different Uber. I know, there. right? <laughs> I know. And and he was like, Listen, let's get you a hotel. So yeah, I, I had to leave with the quickness. Like, and so, you know, that for me was just a moment of like really when you're traveling, you got to separate the Instagram versus reality and do yeah. what works for your safety first and foremost. So yeah. big lesson for me. But yeah, Egypt, it, it's, it wasn't my favorite experience. I would go with a group. I would say if you're going to Egypt, go with friends, go with a group. I feel like you would have a more enriching experience and also spend a few days in Cairo and then get out of Cairo and explore other parts of Egypt like Aswan, um, Luxor and, and so on. 
That was very diplomatic of you to describe it like that. It wasn't my favorite. I was, it was, uh-uh. I don't like that. Don't go there. Mm, you think America's Listen. ghetto? Mm, you know? Listen. That's a specific space. You know? So let's like, this is another like, you know, because you're giving me advice because I'm tiptoeing into that, you know, that era of my life where I'm outside for real. Mm-hmm. So... Let's get the one-on-one on the visas. Can you tell us, like, what are the proper visas we need to be in these other countries, work, buy property, say in Bali, mm-hmm. Dubai, visas to even get there, traveling through other countries, you know, things like that? Yeah, I mean, this is an important conversation. A lot of people don't think about it. Um, and being that I own a travel company, I see it a lot where people are like, they think they can go somewhere and they really can't because they need a visa, right? So whenever you're thinking about where to travel, the first thing that you should be thinking about is, do I need a visa, right? Mm -hmm. And then if you're thinking about staying somewhere long-term, you really need to think about, do I need a visa? So if you're traveling somewhere as Americans, and you know, if you're Canadian like me, you have passport privilege, right? There is such a thing as passport privilege where your passport holds value and you can get into a lot more countries than maybe someone from a different country. And so that's important where you have access to more spaces and you have more flexibility. So for example, if you're going to stay somewhere for a long period of time, you do need a visa. For me with Bali, you need like a social visa or a business visa. Depends on what type of work you're trying to do there. And there's so many different visa companies that will help you to set whatever you need up or apply and so on. And that is, I found it to be a really easy process in Bali, in Thailand, in Dubai. A lot of people also, you can stay in a country for a prolonged period of time. Like, so for example, you can actually stay in Bali for two months at a time without a visa, right? Uh, depending on what type of passport you hold. A lot of people don't know that. So you can actually purchase a visa on arrival and you can stay for 60 days. And then you can actually leave the country, let's say go to Singapore or Malaysia and then come back and get another two months. So a lot of people do mm. do it that way. But again, it depends on what is your purpose. That is for the purpose of tourism. If you're coming for fun. When I moved to Dubai, I came here for business. So the first thing I did was get a business visa. I registered one of my businesses here in Dubai. And through that, I was able to get a long-term visa here in Dubai. Um, Another way that you can do that is a lot of countries now have remote work visas or just, you know, visas for people who, let's say you have a job overseas, you're coming here and you're just going to live and and work remotely. So that's really good. Countries like Portugal have that. I even think Barbados has that as well. Dubai has really amazing programs for remote workers as well. Um, And then of course, if you're investing, right? So if you're investing in a country, so for example, Dubai, I can get a visa here, a golden visa, if I purchase a property over a certain amount, I think it's like $500,000 and you get like a lifetime visa for that country. So different options available and you really kind of have to talk with a visa agent or a visa company to help you explore what your options are. But if you're just going to visit, you can get a standard visa if the country requires it. Whew, I hope everybody was taking notes, writing that down, because <laughs> that was no, that was some very important information about how to actually do this and to actually do it right. Chitty, you are an inspiration and I hope everybody got their passports ready and they're going to book a trip after listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Before we close out, we want people to find you. So tell us where your socials mm. are. Drop the handles. 
Where are you at? Oh, uh, okay. If you want to find me, come over to at Chitty Ashley on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. You can find me online. Um, you can also find my business online, Lux Tribes, We Plan, Bucket List Experiences, all around the world. We have group trips that are catered to women of color who are looking to just reconnect, find a new travel crew that is really about travel and won't flake on you, right? So if you're looking for a good time, then definitely check out luxtribes.com and you can also check out Ready Hub and the Ready Hub app. So yeah, that's how you can find me and I'm really happy to be here. Thank you guys for inviting me. Thank you Thanks, so much Chitty. for being here. We're booking a trip. Maya, mm-hmm. Aneg, Chels, we're coming. Let's go. That was kind of a drag. She said, if you want to go on a trip, actually, and not have people flake. Ooh, that was kind of a relief. The Go Offs This Podcast is a Refinery29 original. It is produced by Rashad Isaac, Crystal Devone, Jordan Mason, and me, Chelsea Sanders. It's edited by Hanger Studios. My co-hosts today were Kathleen Newman-Bermang, Maya Carmichael, and Inaye Komanivo. Like what you heard and want some more? Head over to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts to catch up on all episodes. And don't forget to drop a review or leave a comment to let us know what you think. You can also find us where it all started, on Instagram, at R29Unbothered. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, it's okay to go off, sis. Money work.